2: At 866-691-2173. Or visit buylegacygold.com.
1: Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're
0: just
2: not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $175 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. John has got some vacation time. I'm here with you with Deborah Mark in the news booth and, of course, The overwhelming big story here in Southern California, really the country and the world, is the passing of Vin Scully at the age of 94, the announcement made last night. And uh, we don't do a lot of sports on the Johnny Kent Show, but we're going to talk to somebody that does. It's Petros. P, how are you?
0: I'm good. Uh, Thanks for having me. And uh, it's a sad day, but also a day of reflection for people about. And, you know, I'm not too precious about a lot of uh, sports people and sports occasions. But there was a real exception when it came to Vince Scully. And I, I feel like that was the same for a lot of people in our business. He was a really special man.
2: Could you imagine doing something like that for 67 years? I mean, I was John on the air for about half that time. Yeah. And that seems like forever to me.
0: Yeah, <laughs> And it's really a wild because it's not just the talent, because there's a lot of really talented people that do stuff and they have maybe a 10, 15-year career, which is great and respectable. But his health, his ability to do it for 67 years. And Red Barber was the guy that hired him way back in the day. I think it was 1949 or something. Red Barber hired him to do a football game and a college football game. And he did a college football game with some technical issues in the snow and he on the roof of a press box and he didn't have – a uh, scarf or a jacket, and he pulled the broadcast off and it impressed Red Barber, and then he got interviewed for the job and became the the third guy and uh, and also like an engineer on the Dodger broadcast in, like, the fi- in 1950, and then a couple years later, he became uh, more prevalent, and then he just became the guy, he got the full-time job, and from there on, I mean, you're talking about a guy who could talk about clearly in 2015, what it was like to ride your bicycle around New York City on D-Day and Jackie Robinson's whole life and stuff like that. Just crazy perspective that we'll never, to your point, never, ever, ever see that mixed with that kind of talent and humility and grace ever again.
2: 22 years old when he gets that first gig with the Dodgers, am I right? I mean, I saw he grew up in the Bronx and he went to Fordham University, but to to be on the air as the radio announcer... For a professional team at age 22, I realize things are different. Have you noticed over the years anything changed about his style as he got older?
0: No, no, not really. Uh, He was just brilliant. I mean, he worked with other people, and he called a lot of other stuff. I mean, I guess if there was one low point in his career, Ken, if you could even call it that, like his professional career, uh, he had some tragedies in his personal life. But in his professional career, there was, you know, he called the catch, the Dwight Clark catch. And uh, that NFC Championship game against the Cowboys. Yeah,
2: people forget he did football, too, right? And then
0: college football, he did USC football. Golf. Golf, yeah. Yeah. And uh, the very next uh, game was the Super Bowl. And I think it was CBS, and they had the Super Bowl. And instead of pairing Vince Scully with John Madden, they used Pat Summerall, who was a little bit more laconic, so so Madden could perform. And it it seemed like a good decision at the time, and, and still does, but... Uh, That was really like the only low point in Vin's career that he didn't get that job. Other than that, I mean, this guy called his shot forever. And the real nuance that I thought was just so brilliant that people never really took the time to think about because they didn't have to is back in the day, because of his popularity, the first three innings of the game were a simulcast. So on radio and TV at the same time. And he was very descriptive because he was on radio. And right. then when that third inning came, he uh, after the third inning, it was just a very slight adjustment, and he let the game breathe. And he was just so graceful in everything he did. It just seemed so effortless. And to be able – like uh, – For example, we all remember the Kirk Gibson thing, right? Right, the home run, And one of the most amazing things, I mean, if you're a broadcaster and you've sat in a booth and, you know, just even a college football game, which you and I enjoy, uh, and it's getting down to overtime or something, and you're really, really excited, and uh, you want to talk more as a broadcaster. I mean, when Kirk Gibson comes out of the dugout, all Vin says is, look who's coming out, and he lays out for 35 seconds. And they let the director work and show all. The, and, and he doesn't even speak. And he could get away with talking that whole time. It's Vin Scully. But he right. just had the tone and the timing that we'll never, we'll never see it again. He was very special.
2: And something else, because I grew up on the East Coast, met announcers, Yankee announcers, particularly Yankee announcers. When I came out here and started listening to Vin like 30 years ago, never picked up on any idea that he was a homer. And I do not like Homer broadcasting.
0: Oh, you're I right about care. I'm so glad you brought that up because, you know, so many people try to do what Vin did. And they think it's just telling stories throughout the broadcast and doing intense research on the guy's past and trying to weave it into the broadcast. That's not what we can learn from Vin. Vin. Only Vin could do that in that way. What we could learn is don't be a Homer and timing. And nobody does that right. <laughs> but everybody tries to do the other stuff. And as you said, know when not to talk. Yeah, that's the thing, you know. I mean, and the other thing that I really love is like, like you said, I've known a lot of broadcasters over the years. We've we've worked in broadcasting a long time. A lot of iconic people, and you meet them in person or you hear something about them or the way they treat people, and it turns you off and it bums you out. And you never look at the person the same because of what you do for work. There are zero stories for 70 years about vin scully in that way nothing really uh, nothing relevant nothing prevalent nothing real he was great to everybody a private man with a quick exit to the stadium but wonderful and 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 grateful for his position and wonderful to everybody
2: yeah, that's what they all say down to earth and even a bit uncomfortable with his celebrity and yeah. he really was like that huh
0: yeah and you know i mean for me uh I didn't know him well. We interviewed him a few times. I've spent time speaking to him uh, at a few events. Uh, But, you know, he would say my name and it buckles your knees. You know, it's and it's not like that with anybody else uh, in broadcasting and will never be again. And it's it's really a great day because the world is remembering somebody, you know, who was very old when he passed and had such a long career. That uh, uh, and uh, most of the guys that that worked with him that I've been in communication with today, you know, behind the scenes people, producers and stuff like that, they're all just grateful that they had the once in a lifetime opportunity to work with the best, and no one else is going to be ever to say able to say that the Duke of Sports can't say that, you know. I mean, (laughs) uh, so uh, so it's pretty special.
2: And all those years with baseball, he never had a radio partner.
0: No, he did over the years, and, you know, they'd tag team off innings, and, you know, he did a lot of different things over the years, and that changed, but he just became so good and so in command of the broadcast. I mean, for years, if you understand how television broadcasts work, the director usually says, okay, here's going to be a shot of this guy, here's going to be a shot of this guy, or they just show you the shot, and you follow the director. For many years, Vin wouldn't wear a headset, and the director just followed him. Was just, yeah, And then, then they somebody would count him down, you know, the stage manager would count him down up there instead of in his ear. And, I mean, that's amazing. And basically, he's directing the game yeah. <laughs> while calling it, which is uh, unprecedented. He was just, there's never going to be anybody else like it. And we we're all grateful to have uh, been around it, especially here at the radio station where we had him on the games and he finished his career here, which was uh, pretty wild.
2: Yeah, I guess they tried to get him back a couple of times when the Dodgers got to the World Series a few years later or something. But Well, you know, they, people would gonna... write
0: those uh, self-aggrandizing stories about something that was never going to happen. You know, He was right. never, ever, he would never, ever bring attention to himself in that way, right. uh, which was just how he was. And, you know, there's a lot of people, you know, like the humility and that stuff, after a while, it just becomes kind of a ponderous faux humility. It's almost, you know, so much the other way. And that wasn't that wasn't him either, you know. In real life, I think he just had a really a lot of tragedies in his personal life, in his family, right. and he wasn't he didn't want to dredge those things up. He never wrote a book. He sold all his stuff and gave the money to the family a few years ago. That was the last time we had him on, because they they wanted to sell his his stuff, all his memorabilia, so he could get something out of it and give it to his family before he was gone. And you know, he was always doing something for others like that
2: well p i appreciate you spending some time with me
0: oh it's my pleasure i'm I'm happy to talk about it and uh proud to be on the show he was uh he was once one of a kind not a friend of mine i don't want people to think that i i yeah. hate when that happens you know everybody right. creates these post-mortem friendships and moments but he was uh, no. i did know him a little and he was he was the he was everything they said about him everything
2: yeah you want to hear the quick john and ken story with him and it's really nothing too but we didn't know him either but we did one day get up into the broadcast press area of the stadium. Oh well, it's actually thanks to your station. And Vin came by and John immediately just, you know, started to buckle and said, Oh, Vin Scully, this with the John and Ken show. He goes, I know. Yeah, he just kinda of waved and kept walking. Yeah. He was uh, you know, he was always working and,
0: and ver but just I mean a regular guy in many ways, you know, just sitting around on the bus with others and chopping it up about baseball, which is just surreal when you think about, like, David Vassay, who we all know very well, you know, right. sitting with Vin being like, so what do you think,
2: Vin? You know, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Petros, thank you very much for uh, stopping by. My pleasure. Have a great day. All right, that's uh, P, Petros, the Petros and Money show on our uh, station down the hall, Dodger station, KLAC. John and Ken show on KFI AM 640. We'll have a chance in the 4 o'clock hour to talk to Rick Monday. A Dodger legend, of course, longtime broadcaster and Dodger player before that. And uh, we'll get his thoughts on the passing of Vin Scully at the age of 94. In a moment, we're going to play you uh, about a five-minute tribute to Vin, his calls over the years in various sports, mostly of baseball. But, of course, he also, as I talked to Petros, did do some football announcing as well as golf. Uh, Coming up after 2.30, though, and, you know, it's kind of a day where we're saluting Humble great men, I guess, is one way to look at it. I mean, Vin Scully is a legend all and of himself. But a man that made the news out in Norco, Craig Cope, is going to join me. He is the uh, liquor store owner out in Norco who fought off the armed robbers, one of which came right into the liquor store. This is very early on Sunday morning. And I believe if you listen to the audio, said, get your hands up. Craig didn't hesitate. He realized this is not good, and he fired off his shotgun. And he got that guy, we believe, in the shoulder. He's the one that ran off screaming, shot my arm off. Don't know his condition as of today, but they arrested all of the men, all four of them, involved in this attempted robbery of Craig's liquor store. So we will talk to him right after the news. <laughs> there, that. Shot my arm off. Anyway, Craig is getting attention from all over the world. It was tough to get an interview with them. I actually had to pre-record it a little while ago, but uh, you'll hear it. After the news at 2.30. All right. Well, back to Vince Scully. And as you, in this day and age we live in, it's hard to believe, and I don't know when this started. I guess I'd call it the tabloid era. Everybody who becomes famous somehow gets tainted, either through their own fault or just the way the tabloid industry and gossip world works. But Vince Scully, of course, has remained above that. Uh, Petros did talk about some of the tough things in his life. His son died at a young age in a helicopter crash. And, uh, he has had some, but no scandal, right? No scandal. And from what I understand, and it's an interesting thing too that uh, Petros mentioned, <clears throat> never wrote a book. Usually people are pushed. A man like that, 67 years behind the microphone as the Dodger announcer, never wrote a book or a memoir. That shows you, I believe, just how humble he is. Who'd want to read about me? But um, I would say probably with some certainty too. even all the people he worked with over the years. Nobody had a complaint. He was never a jerk behind the scenes. Always a pleasant, pleasant man. I was just reading a story about Justin Turner, the uh, Dodger infielder who, when he first came to the Dodgers, Vin came into the clubhouse, sought him out and said, we redheads got to stick together. He just thought that was pretty amazing. I mean, he came looking for me. All right. So here is a compilation of uh, Vin Scully. Calls from over the years.
1: Hi, everybody, and a very pleasant good afternoon to you, wherever you may be. It's time for Dodger Baseball. And look who's coming up. For the game, right? A no-hitter, a career-high 15 strikeouts. It is gone. He has hit another one. Viva Cuba! Viva queen! Fastball is a high drive in the deep left center field. Buckner goes back to the fence. It is gone. What a marvelous moment for baseball! What a marvelous moment for Atlanta and the state of Georgia. What a marvelous moment for the country and the world. A black man is getting a standing ovation in the deep south for breaking a record of an all-time baseball idol. And it is a great moment for all of us, and particularly for Henry Aaron. Hole in one to Charlie. Swung on a high fly ball to deep left field. about the. what if you believe a home run and the dodgers have punched the division and will celebrate on schedule so the winning run is at second base with two out three and two to mookie wilson little roller up along first behind the bag it gets through buckner here comes knight Fernando ready in the strike two pitch is hit back to the box, dribbling to second. Samuel on the bag, throws to first double play. Fernando Valenzuela has pitched a no-hitter at 1017 in the evening of June the 29th, 1990. Montana looking, looking, throwing in the end zone. It's a madhouse at Candlestick with 51 seconds left. Dwight Clark is 6'4". He stands about 10 feet tall in this crowd's estimation. And a drive to center. Going back is Cameron to the track at the wall and gone. So Jeff Kent comes up with a home run leading off the ninth, his fourth hit of the game. And another drive to deep right center, and that is gone. Whoa, was that it? So now it is 9-7. A drive into left center by Martin. That ball is carrying into the seats. Three straight home runs. And another drive into high right center at the wall running. Can you go out, believe it or not? Four consecutive home runs. And yeah. And a high fly ball to left field. It is away way out and gone. The Dodgers win it 11 to 10. Oh, unbelievable. I'm not sure what he's doing out there. It looks like he's going to burn a flag. And Rick Monday runs and takes it away from him. And so Monday. Guy was going to set fire to the American flag. Can you imagine that? It is 9.46 p.m. Two and two to Harvey Keane. One strike away. Sandy into his windup. Here's the pitch out and missed the perfect game! You know, friends, so many people have wished me congratulations on a 67-year career in baseball, and they've wished me a wonderful retirement with my family. And now, all I can do is tell you what I wish for you. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. And when the upcoming winter gives way to spring, rest assured, once again, it will be time for Dodger baseball. So this is Vin Scully wishing you a very pleasant good afternoon, wherever you may be.
2: And that was it. That was his sign-off at his last broadcast. You'll have more tributes to Vin Scully throughout the show here on KFI. And again, in case you didn't know, a bit of history, apparently uh, the Dodgers did run on KFI from 1960 to 1973 and they've run through many of the AM stations. Coming up next, my guest will be Craig Cope. This is the owner of the Norco Liquor Store who was not going to put up with a robber who might have shot him dead, so he shot the robber first. Next. Well, we finally have a chance to talk to him on the John and Ken show. His name is Craig Cope. He's the business owner Norco Market and Liquor. An early Sunday morning, he had some bad guys come in. One of them specifically came into the store with a gun. And Craig didn't take any chances. He fired his shotgun and he injured the guy. That's the famous audio we played yesterday quite a bit, where he yelled, my sh- he shot my arm off. Uh, the robbers ran off. They were arrested later at a hospital. And the man that the Craig shot is still being treated for his injuries. Craig Cope, welcome to the John and Ken Show. Thank you. How are you feeling is the really first question.
3: <laughs> I'm, I'm all right. A little slower you had, than normal, but I'm all right. Yeah, you
2: you had some sort of cardio problem there after this happened.
3: Uh, yes.
2: And uh, you were treated and released.
3: Uh, I spent a day in the a little bit little bit over a day in the hospital. Yeah.
2: This must have been incredibly stressful for you. I I can't even imagine, uh, you know, having to do what you had to do and then dealing with the aftermath. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that night, and apparently you were working, you're alone in the store, and you noticed something on the surveillance video?
3: Well, the Riverside County Sheriff's Department had warned uh, employees, but it had been some time ago, that there was uh, four subjects driving a black SUV with paper plates that were doing armed robberies at several locations, so... I always kept that in mind, and I just happened to be, I was by a milk cooler, and just happened to notice a vehicle that fit that description drive in, but instead of parking in front of the store where it would be normal, where they had plenty of parking, they went around to the side of the store, and uh, so I did move over and check the camera, and they were backed in, which was uh, the second big red flag. And I observed the first first one out uh, on the right passenger side, and and he's got masks and clothes and uh, a gun, and so I knew right away that this was uh, what was going to be happening. They were going to be coming in to rob me, and the whole thing went really fast. I mean, from the time I spotted him doing that, it was probably 10 seconds before the two of them entered the store, and once... That happened um, uh, maybe maybe two seconds because the guy and I were not very far apart, probably uh, probably 20 feet. He he looked like he was carrying an AR-15 type weapon to me, and uh, he pointed the gun directly at me. That's it. I don't wait. Um, I, I'm not going to leave it up to him whether I live or die or what they get done. So I just took him out right away and uh, they exited the store and, you know, fortunately uh, he had to go to the hospital where they apprehended the whole bunch and stolen vehicles, stolen guns, and uh, uh, hopefully we get that stopped and maybe it will uh, be a deterrent effect against other people in that profession. And uh, I don't know. Some to me, somebody that's going to do that, even if their, their intent was not maybe to to harm whoever they're robbing, it doesn't take much to make a mistake, and uh, it, hopefully it'll uh, prevent anything somebody from getting killed or seriously injured in the future. At least with these guys, and if it deters others, then that's a good deal.
2: Yeah, you sound like a pretty together, calm person. I mean, you must have been pretty worked up at the moment you're about to shoot that gun. I mean, wasn't your adrenaline really pumping?
3: No, not really. (laughs) No, really? I know it's going to sound strange, but I, I was pretty calm.
2: Yeah, and you were sure about what you had to do. I mean, we've all seen the video time and time again. A lot of people are unbelievably behind you. You've probably heard about all the people that are showing up at your shop to pay tribute to the fact that you stood your ground and with what's going on in the state. You're well aware, of course, with our criminal justice system. We got a DA here in LA County that thinks basically nobody should serve any kind of prison time or jail time. I mean, honestly, that's exactly why you're being received so positively by so many people around the state and the country.
3: You know, I'm kind of a low profile guy. I just, I didn't have any idea that all this would happen. I'm so appreciative of uh, our customer base. They've been really supportive and uh, really kind. And I'm getting calls from people I don't know, they don't know me, from all over the country. I just don't expect anything like that, you know. It's just really incredible, and uh, I really appreciate it. Um, And as far as the, the political aspect, I've been in business quite a while, and uh, these people that are doing some of what they're doing now, it's just hard to imagine whatever their motivation could be, because they don't really have a clue what's going on. They don't, they've probably never been in a circumstance like that. they I don't think they would, I don't think they could do what I do, and a lot of other people like me do, um, and if it doesn't change, I mean, we're just... It's just getting worse and worse. I I'm, I, I had a guy one time that I had a, taken into custody. I had him handcuffed and down on the ground, waiting for the sheriff to come take him off my hand. He was a burglar. I, I apprehended yeah. him. Um, he wasn't a bad guy. You know, we get to talking and I was asking him, you know, what, why do you do this? And I never forget. He told me, he says, I'm a burglar. That's my job. Wow. So he viewed it as a job. When he he said, hey, I get up. I get up when it gets dark, and I go burglarize places, and that's my job. Well, if he views that as his job, uh, I don't see what's going to change that, <clears throat> except lock him up, and maybe he'll have time to figure it out time he gets out. But if we don't make some changes, things are going to get continually worse. If I've inspired anybody to, you know, think a little different, that'd be great because. We got a mess going here, and it's, it's got to be changed.
2: Yeah, and I'm, I'm sure you were aware of the situation with those 7-Eleven robberies that occurred a few weeks back. A couple of people were killed. That was a couple of robbers from from <laughs> LA that were driving around, even out in your parts, out towards Riverside, and and robbing yeah, 7-Elevens.
3: Yeah, one of the one of the stores that got hit was just uh, uh, probably six, maybe seven miles from from my store. So I was very alert for them guys, too, and, uh, you know, fortunately for, for them and me, they didn't pick my store, but, uh, those are the kind of people that just should not be out running around on the street because they don't apparently have any concern for anybody's life or future but their own. They want what they want for whatever their reason, and, uh, they're just willing to take it from people that work hard, so they need to be stopped, and, um, I'm just not, for me personally, there was absolutely no doubt in my mind what was going to happen, what was happening. The guy pointed the gun directly at me, and, you know, if it's an AR-15 type, it's a semi-automatic gun. If somebody's messed with it, they can make it fully automatic. Um, I'm outgunned, but when he points the gun directly at me, I don't hesitate. The whole thing, that from that point on, there was maybe half and a half to three-quarters of a second. That's it. So the whole thing was over in two, three seconds from the time they first actually entered the store.
2: Did you consider for a moment that the others might try to come back in and exact revenge or finish off the robbery? Did you consider that at all, or the whole thing was over so fast and they fled that uh, you were just done with it?
3: Uh, well, they were... <laughs> There was so many sheriff's officers around; they were not coming back right at that point. Oh, okay. Then I get held off to the hospital, so I'm out of commission for a day. And uh, it wasn't—I mean, I knew they weren't coming back, and it's not likely somebody else is going to be back. It'll—it'll it'll blow over a year from now. Most of them, there'll be new people to take their place. If we don't change some of the way we the politicians are doing things, there'll be somebody to take their place. It always works that way, but. I, I didn't have any concern about them, particularly coming back. I try to make it a little easier for my employees, but um, people get all kinds of crazy ideas and
2: it, yeah, but it could happen,
3: you know, so I'm still ready.
2: Well, like you said, consequences are minimal these days. We don't have bail. We have DAs that decide that uh, people have to go to some sort of diversion program. Uh, we got a DA here, and you probably have followed this, Craig. I know you live out in Riverside County, but a DA here that doesn't even believe in gun enhancements in sentencing. You look at that guy that came into your your liquor store the other night with that weapon. I mean, honestly, you're not going to add any enhancements to the sentence. Do you yeah. um Do you have any interest in how this, if this guy recovers? Because you mentioned there was one guy you had cuffed and you were... Uh, talking to him, a robber from some years back, and uh, this particular man who's in the hospital, apparently still being treated for his wounds. Do you, do you have any interest in seeing how he's doing? Uh,
3: not first on the list. I mean, um, hopefully he'll learn something from it, and uh, I would assume that that they're all going to do some time, and they'll have some time to think about it. Maybe they'll learn something. And, They'll straighten out uh, even when they get out, but uh, (laughs) he's not first on the list at this point, no.
2: Is it true that the surveillance system, you had it installed just this year, was it? Yeah,
3: yeah, actually just just a matter of a couple weeks ago, yeah.
2: Wow, and it's because you realized that uh, this was happening more and more and you wanted to be ready.
3: Yeah, well, there's a factor, yeah.
2: And what about the, the, the shotgun, I guess, is what you used, huh? Yeah. And you do any practicing with that? I mean, you, obviously, you live in a place where I think you said this to one reporter. They didn't do their homework because out here a lot of us have guns.
3: Well, in the city of Norku is a relatively small city. It's a conservative city. Um, there's a whole lot of people who would do what I've done if they were in my shoes, and uh, it's not a good place for the bad guys to to come in and do what these guys were trying to do, uh, they, they, they probably didn't do their homework, I don't know, but uh, it's not the best place for them to be coming because I have a lot of customers, I mean before this happened, a lot of customers, oh, if you have a problem, you know, I'm ten seconds away, just call me. So. They're, they're supportive and uh, they try to take care of each other in that city.
2: Yeah, is there uh, any been any blowback at all? Are you hearing anything negative about what happened?
3: No, no. This whole thing is kind of overwhelming, really. It's uh, we've had no negative comments that I'm aware of. People that actually local people that maybe they weren't customers of my store have come in. And, you know, they just shake your hand, uh, all positive comments. So it's, I guess it, you know, you think on one hand, well, something like this shouldn't happen, but it was going to, it worked out pretty good. Uh, our sheriff, uh, who I'm supportive of, he took time to call me, send me a text and call me. And. And basically, he said, no, he did a damn fine job and made it easy for us to do ours. So, you know, they're all in custody and off the streets, and hopefully they'll remain there for the foreseeable future. And we also will be having to face that group.
2: Craig, you're not a young man working 3 a.m. on a Sunday morning. Is that something you would ordinarily <laughs> do?
3: Yeah, yeah.
2: I know it's your own business, and I guess sometimes you have to if you don't have the help. But As you well, don't mind working on it because that's a dangerous time, obviously, for something like a liquor store.
3: Uh, yeah, that's what they say. It's, uh, it's just there's an awful lot of work to be done to run the business, and sometimes when we're officially not open, but you know, you get local people that need milk or dog food or a mouse trap or something, I'm gonna if they want to come in and shop, I'm gonna let them shop. We can't sell alcohol, for instance, from two to six, but anything else uh, helps us, helps the business, helps them. We'll, we'll be there, and I very alert as to who comes in the door. Uh, I get a lot of work done at that time.
2: Clearly you are aware of who comes in the door and you are ready. Well, Craig, thanks so much for talking to me. Uh, I really appreciate it and I wish you well. And, you know, people are calling you a hero. Maybe you're not comfortable with that. But in this day and age, the way things are going, as you talked about in the criminal justice system, people are very appreciative of somebody that just stands his ground and does what he has to do.
3: You know, I, I I think I was aware, of, but nothing to the degree that I am now. And it's like I said, it's just amazing. We get calls from literally all over the country, even somebody from Canada was calling. You know, everybody wants to do an interview, and um, I'm sure it'll blow over in a couple of weeks. But it's just uh, it's just kind of amazing the whole thing. Really, I just did what I needed to do to stay alive. I'm not going to let somebody like that make the choice whether I live or die. If I can control it, I'm going to take control of it and turn the tables on.
2: All right, Craig, thanks a lot for talking to me. Have a good day.
3: You're welcome. Thanks.
2: That's Craig Cope, the owner of Norco Market and Liquor in Norco. And again, the big story, early Sunday morning, robbers pulled up in the parking lot outside his store. He got an eye on them, knew that something was not right. And then one comes in with what appears to be uh, a pretty uh, fearsome weapon, as they called it, a long gun, maybe an AR-15. And that's when Craig decided, I'm not waiting, and he fired off his shotgun. And he wounded that suspect who ran off screaming that he shot my arm off. And they all were arrested at a hospital sometime later. John and Ken show on KFI AM 640. We go to the KFI 24-hour news center for an update from Deborah Mark. We've just had a long conversation with Mr. Craig Cope. He's the man that uh, wasn't going to stand for his liquor store being robbed in Norco. So when a guy with a gun came in, in a matter of seconds, he fired off his shotgun, wounded that guy who was on the run. If you missed it, I'm going to play it later on in the show during the 5 o'clock hour. Back in the real world, well, we're also continuing to do tribute uh, to Vince Gully, the longtime Dodger broadcaster who passed away at the age of 94. The announcement made last night. We'll be talking to Rick Monday, a Dodger player and, of course, currently a Dodger broadcaster in the four o'clock hour when we come back as I was just started to say in the real world there is a bill on Gavin Newsom's desk it's called SB 57 and this is from the crowd that gives up right the wokesters whatever you want to call them it's the crowd that says housing first for the homeless no enforcement this subject of this is drug use and drug addicts and the bill would allow Right. Get this for us to run these open air drug injection sites around the state. They picked a few places. Los Angeles is one of them. The viewpoint from this crowd that supports this bill is that, oh, well, you know, they're addicts. There's nothing that can be done. They're going to stop using on their own if they ever stop using. But in the meantime, let's just make sure they don't die of overdoses. So we'll let them go to these uh, sites and inject their drugs, and we'll stand by in case they overdose. And, oh, yeah, right, there will be programs for treatment. Well, they tried this in San Francisco, and apparently very, very few people, I think somewhere around 1%, actually opted for any treatment. They just took advantage of you and the taxpayers. Coming up next, we'll be talking about this bill, and we'll be talking to Republican State Senator Brian Jones, who hopes Newsom does not sign it. It's the Johnny Ken Show on KFI AM 640. Deborah Mark has the news now. Or download your free investor's guide now at BuyLegacyGold.com. That's BuyLegacyGold.com. Sticky notes, email alerts,
1: a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder
2: from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $175 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client.
1: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.